Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. Today is episode 66, and I'm your host, Ryan Basor. And today we have on reoccurring guest and cannabis Michigan legend, Jamie Lowell. Jamie, thanks for uh, being on the show. Man, thanks for having me here. Uh, we're excited to talk about Canna Jam today and uh, what a great event it was. And then uh, I'd like to introduce Kevin over at Chew Cannabis. What's up, Kevin? Not much, man. Uh, excited to have Jamie on the show. It's always fun to chat it up with him. Uh, sorry I missed Canna Jam, guys. I was uh, busy up north, but um, I did watch some of, uh, of Rick Thompson's live stream, and I got to tell you, Tom, I was ultra impressed with the Pink Floyd rendition, dude. It was awesome, dude. Yeah, we had people uh, came up to me like, oh, I was expecting a bar band, you know, like, like I get it. I won't be offended. It's okay. In Not my that- previous life, you know, professional musician, and still that's my... <laughs> And, and I don't hire people to join my band that, you know, won't be, uh, you know, do the music justice. So thank you. Yeah. No. And uh, and with that, Tom Beller at Real Leaf. Tom, how are you recovering from the weekend? Oh, uh, you know, a little bit longer than you know, a few years ago, even. But <laughs> great, man. It was, it was exciting, man. You know, there's like a there's a serious afterglow after, uh, after you perform. And it's interesting hmm. how long you ride it out and how long it lasts. And then then there's a recovery period. The refractory period afterwards <laughs> is then uh, it's extending. But, you know, uh, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Let's yeah. do it. That's that's really cool. Uh, you know, I'm, I think this was uh, the first first of many. Uh, we can talk about the event here in a second. I just wanted to uh, introduce, of course, uh, give Jamie Lowell his uh, proper introduction. Could go on all day, but um, right now he, uh, Jamie is with uh, uh, the Botanical Company, ASA, uh, Redemption Foundation, uh, and uh, any, anyone that's an avid listener of the show knows that uh, me and Jamie became buddies in, in 2009 when I was uh, watching the uh, MMMA chat room forums and some crazy guy was getting into it. So, no. Uh, no. <laughs> but with that, with that, Jamie, uh, thanks for being on. We want to talk about Canna Jam uh, with you and Tom, uh, your perspective, and uh, tell, tell us how you thought it went and what are your thoughts and experience. Yeah, man, thanks again uh, for having me on. This is a great show and I appreciate having conversations with you guys and we get to talk about something that was pretty fun uh, for the most part once it once it came into being uh, the the process to put one of these together is not easy uh, an event itself is very difficult but with the extra layers of regulations from the state and the city um, and then both of those entities learning kind of figuring this out as they go along there's only been like three other ones before this one um, so it was rough, and, and uh, I need to give a lot of credit to Michael Camorn and Camorn Law. Uh, you guys had a great interview with him not too long ago, and uh, and he conceived of this, and he had the team uh, together from within his firm to handle all these trials and tribulations along the way, and it took up to like the day before to officially get the license issued, 
and to keep everybody online and and uh, and the whole thing kind of together up till the point when it could actually happen, and then to get the kind of response we got uh, was just really encouraging. I'm inspired, you know, for more of these. And yes, we have a list of a hundred things to do better and that we shoulda, woulda, coulda, and we'll look at those and do those. But next time we'll know the processes. Hopefully, some things will get eased up on a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, be able to do things much more in advance and, and be organized about it. And uh, there's no there's no way it will not be uh, better. And that's probably for like everybody who's working on these things around the state. We learned some from the ones that went before us and talked to uh, Mel from uh, the, the, I forgot the name of her organization now, but they are a production company and they put on the, the first couple like at Niles, Michigan. So it was a challenge got through it and then it was a success for an inaugural event yeah first year festivals man they can be uh, they can be a crapshoot they you know they're typically a loss from a financial standpoint uh but then you add all the extra regulatory stuff you're talking about jamie what was the um how, what was the anything back from the state yet and a response from the event um any complaints any uh, violations uh, or any feedback like they had a good time any anyone get a contact high I mean that valley was pretty uh, pretty smoky uh, no I think no news is good news I mean there there were some things that the security team had to take care of that were pretty basic that would be expected when there was a gathering of people like that I guess and people trying to like roam roam through um, you know without properly you know having a having a ticket or whatever or, or you know the, the electronic thing um, some people uh, got some stuff in, some alcohol or something, you know, and a couple of times and they had to be escorted out. But there wasn't very much of that. and It was all pretty taken care of and we're on top of it. There was a city official from Ypsilanti there. Uh, there was a state representative there and there's a former um, Ann Arbor City Council person there. All of them uh, told me while there that they thought it was great and, and uh, they had a great time. So I think no news is good news in this case. We've gotten feedback from some of the vendors uh, formally, and there's a list of stuff that, you know, again, we could be doing better, but by and large, everybody had a great time and benefited from it. Hey, Jamie, I was there. I had, uh, I had a blast. Uh, it was probably the, probably the highest I've ever, uh, I've ever been from just smoking cannabis. <laughs> nice. So that was... I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sober up. Doesn't take long, you know. And I just decided to sober up, right when uh, Tom came on uh, and the, and Echoes of Pink Floyd came on, and that did not sober me up. <laughs> no, that can't last no, long so, when that's going on. No, so well, just in general, it took me back to uh, my 20s a lot uh, on some stuff. But I, I had a blast. Uh, you know, I think it was, it, it was way better than I expected. And, you know, it was such a cool location and such a, a, a chance to expand on it. Um, one thing I noticed is, you know, this was the first one with like $30 tickets with a discount, $25 t tickets. And, you know, a lot of the other cannabis events were had the cannabis surcharges on it. And then the other thing that was really cool, uh, made it worth buying a ticket if, if you just wanted to buy some, some cannabis, was... Instead of like a regular sporting events and, and, and things like this uh, where alcohol or food is jacked up in pricing and high, the, the vendors were kind of going to deal wars against each other. And there was just some incredible deals to be had. I know a lot of cannabis got sold 
and I thought that was really cool too. I didn't necessarily expect that. Um, but besides that, you know, um, Tom, I kind of, I wanted to ask you a question, you know, what, what was that like getting back on stage after so long and, uh, you know, being back with your band, but having it, you know, like, look what you've accomplished since the last time you've played, uh, or since, you know, um, with, with the, with the cannabis business. So I'm, I'm pretty curious what that was like for you as an experience. Yeah, the last time the band performed was uh, two years ago, and uh, we had a re one rehearsal uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I, we've all felt like we were ready to go back to it. It's kind of like riding a bike, but at first it was kind of rocky, unsure, and once you get your footing, it, it really is muscle memory, and we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, as far as I, I pumped the brakes quite a bit on performing before it, um, while I was going for the uh, licensure here, while I applied to the uh, for the MMFLA, and it was really difficult because a few of the guys in the band are full-time musicians and they rely on this income in order to survive. So uh, once you stop a train from going, you slow it down, and it, it takes a lot to get that steam going again. But COVID kind of threw a wrench in everyone. So really that just kind of lit the fire for the whole band to get back together. And I mean, everyone is super stoked uh, to do it. And as, and as soon as Dan, our, our uh, woodwind and flute player showed up at rehearsal, everyone like, we're like, we're complete, you know, like the gel was there. Um, so that it, it's great, man. We Pink Floyd and cannabis go together. Like ever since I was a kid, you know, that's just remember smoking as much as I, we possibly could. And, you know, putting on wish you were here that the album and, laying down in my friend's room, just super stoned, listening to the whole album. He had glow in the dark stars on the ceiling, and, <laughs> you know, where you just kind of zone out and, and, uh, you know, it was inspiration though for, for music. And that's, uh, that's, you know, it goes hand in hand. So yeah, we were pumped. Yeah. There was a proper production there and, you know, you made sure of it. Uh, I heard the rehearsal, man. I knew, you know, I knew it was going to be awesome oh, yeah. when the time came and it was even better than expected. It was so cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We're reworking things for 2022 and we're just going to make them better. So, you know, we've got nothing but, uh, you know, it's all uphill from here. You know, we're, yep. we're ready. Yeah. I, my experience, uh, with, with Pink Floyd and that is obviously the, the same, but we, uh, when I was, uh, when I was a youngster, we, I'm sure you guys remember when we, du you dubbed the, uh, the wall, uh, the wall with, uh, with, uh, Wizard of Oz. And I had that on a DVD and yeah. took a dark. It's dark side. Oh, of the dark moon. side of the moon. My bad. Not. And uh, we and we do that show. Actually, we yeah. we performed that show at least a dozen times. Oh, we'll man. project the Wizard of Oz and we'll play Dark Side live to it. Uh, and there are certain things that happen that have to happen, and that takes a lot of discipline. And there's like two spots where you can fudge, either if your tempos are dragging or a little bit, you know, where you can actually make up time. Yeah. Other than that, it's like. You're out the gate and you're running. You're like, you bet everybody's got to be on their game to get that. But, it, you know, that's the kind of challenge that we love, you know, and that's a show that we definitely would love to share with everyone, too. Oh, man. That I... is quite a, it's a wild experience. It's weird. The stuff that happens is really weird. And it's... Pink Floyd originally did a lot of work with um, uh, motion, you know, they're motion, they're like film score producers, you know, mm -hmm. for with uh, with Moore and um, Zabrinsky Point. And there's a lot of stuff that they, 
that they worked on and the, the speculation is obviously that that was on purpose and not all coincidence even though they deny it sorry i interrupted your story oh no that was that was awesome i uh i was just wanted to say that uh, it just brought me back and I might have taken a lot of hallucinogenics back then, and uh, that's when I was saying I was gonna sober up when that came on, and I, it just like was like flashbacks. It was awesome though. So, yeah, let's let's hope that we can play the uh, was it the the first? Well, it's gonna be it would be the second because they already had the Entheo Fest, right? The first yeah. one. Oh man, that'd be something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. We'd like to do that. That'd so, Tom, nice too. Just curious if, uh, you know, if this has sparked anything in you that you may consider doing something other than Canada Jam and do some more concerts this year or in the, in the years to come, or what are your thoughts oh, on yeah, that? The band, yeah, the band is booking uh, starting 2022 as early as January. We already have some things that are on the book, so we haven't shared yet, working with a special 420 event. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, we're, we, we plan on playing at least one gig a month. And that's a pretty good pace for everyone because cool. half the band's full-time musician, the other half, you know, they have day jobs and we don't travel too far. So we like to stay within Michigan and the Midwest, but we're definitely, we're definitely going to, this is giving us the, the boost we need to keep, keep booking more. So, uh, I guess this is a, a Tom, but more of a, a Jamie question you might know too. So is the idea then, I think it'd be really cool if, if you guys played this every, every year. Um, I don't know if that's the plan or if it's been talked about, but also, uh, besides that, Jamie, why don't you talk about the other, other, other guests that were there? There's a lot of great acts. There's funny comedians, Darren McCarty's great as always. So kind of tell us about the rest of the show, Jamie. Yeah, it was awesome. And I also want to mention that this whole thing I was able to do with like my, my favorite groups and people, uh, we had, a nonprofit area where a lot of the organizations that I'm involved with and that I su otherwise support um, were there in representation. Um, the uh, benefactors of some of the proceeds uh, is the Redemption Foundation. Thank you. And also the John Sinclair Foundation. And, and John was there performing, and that was awesome. He was with saxophone player Johnny Evans, who was you know tremendous in his own right. And, and John got into it, man. I've seen him perform, you know, a few times lately, and they're all good. Uh, but there was some special connection there on, on this performance. I hope people go back and watch the videos. The hyped up live production guys were there uh, recording it, and uh, it's going to be great to go back and watch some of that. Our, our good friend Razor Ray Reyes, of course, uh, you know, opened the show with a lot of energy, and he's very diverse. I mean, he's, he's most often professionally working in a you know a loud hard rock kind of a setting or you know that's his that's his gig but he does a lot of stuff and has a lot of interest in music he, he pulled out a couple of uh carlos santana tunes to go along with the theme of you know some some throwback kind of music and uh speaking of that there's a guy randy kaplan he's a very talented dude he normally does a lot of kids music professionally but did like a bob dylan set and he nailed some of those that was pretty cool uh, he was awesome, man. There was a uh, road work um, with uh, the, one of the guys from Hyped Up Live Sessions, um, Tommy, on drums. And every band that guy puts together is a top-level, notch, grooving band. And uh, I expected there to be some good stuff, and that band was even better than I expected. Uh, there was, I mean, there's just a lot of great stuff. And, then, yeah, we did do some comedy. Uh, the, slap, the Darren McCarty Slapstick Comedy Tour was there. He had another comedian with him that didn't make it on because of scheduling, but normally he has a stand-up comedian. 
and then he does like a storytelling and uh, he'll talk about like when he beat the shit out of Lemieux and you know and stuff and it's kind of cool for, definitely for those those old old fans and everything who are familiar with that story uh, and uh, yeah, there was another like country band too that was like the, the Fiddle and the Fox or something like that they were really good I mean everybody was good Mike Young um, is a professional comedian he's an up and coming comedian I, I have to admit though I don't think that that it was good, but I don't think it went over. I think the music was the thing that connected to people the most. Some comedy sprinkled in there. I, I liked what, what Darren did too. Uh, we have to have to look at that. This is another thing that we learn about, you know, for next year. But in addition to like uh, being able to work with with all you guys, of course, Real Leaf and uh, the uh, yeah, well, yeah, and the fact that, that Tom's in the band too, you know, and and. Uh, a botanical company and a couple like I've known I've not been friends with the people from Stickies ever since they got started yep. you know 10 years ago or whatever it is uh, the place that used to be my place was there it was now called Oz formerly Third Coast uh, a lot of the people who just showed up a lot of friends I haven't seen in years I mean it was it was just really cool for many reasons personally I've wanted to do something meaningful like a project with Michael for a long time come on and this was I think this is going to be the beginning and we're definitely uh, looking at doing more of these I think we were both inspired by this and have begun already looking at uh, what we're going to do for next year and Ypsilanti's got a few um, events that the city and depot town area really get behind that are done in that location there's like a, a jazz fest there's a beer fest there's a, uh, another Frog Island music festival and uh, we would like to be the cannabis version of that and that's I've been there for a long time. I know a lot of people. The people in Depot Town really want to support us. The fact that it that it went down as it did is it really puts us in position to you know to kind of compete for that spot. We also know that after we just did this and demonstrated it, there are many other people that are looking at that same spot and because because Ipsy's one of the places that approved that has approved it. They're not all over the place. Right. Um, a spot can do like one, I think, without having to formally opt in. I think they can issue a special one special license a year or may, it might be two but I think it's one special license a year so you might be able to piecemeal some areas but uh, but it's going to be attractive because we demonstrated that that's a cool place to do one so we'll see what else we have to compete with but we're going to try to be the you know an ongoing thing and that's that's supported by the area and we really want to work uh, cooperatively and in good faith with everybody yeah that was uh it was really really cool i i know i was like i said again and then running into so many people and talking with uh you know uh rep johnson and and just just everything involved was awesome jamie but i wanted to ask you because i was kind of there when this first started happening we had some conversations and i saw um you got involved and uh, you made a, a major effort to uh, to have it uh, non-mcma and yeah what do you what do you think would have happened if, if it if it was and the whole vibe and uh how did that kind of go down well i mean uh we've we've known of this threat for a long time before there was any tangible bill or you know that type of thing to speak of and have been warning people and trying to educate people you know on this issue for a very long time uh as it turns out right around now or in the last few weeks there has been a bill dropped or bills dropped um by the mcma and steve linder and the big money interests and it is big in the news and it is getting reaction from a lot of people and so i didn't want this anyway 
but particularly now when it's so prevalent to have had inclusion of MCMA and affiliate or ILK involved in this whole thing, I think would have been a disaster. There was an event that had SkyMet um, in Niles a few weeks ago, and that underwent a lot of scrutiny and, and pushback, and eventually SkyMet was taken off. They also returned everybody's, uh, um, well, as, as Ryan said, this was the first one that had like kind of a reasonable, so, somewhat of a reasonable uh, admission cost, but they returned everybody's Ad admission and just let everybody in for free because it got all you know just kind of tangled like that and to avoid that type of pushback from people and uh, costly entanglements um, I, I thought it was very important that we keep those those connections out of it and uh, ultimately that was very much appreciated by by Michael and everybody <clears throat> And, uh, Myself included. Yeah, well, I, yeah and, that, and that's cool. I know, and, and and Tom's been on my show, Jazz Cabbage, a couple times, and we've talked about this very thing. I mean, we've we've done it to promote the show and to, and to recap the show, but it's come up in conversation because it's kind of part of the, uh, it was part of the approach. It was purposeful, Not, and the and some of the companies that were there selling cannabis, um, do have some MCMA products on their shelves, but I don't I don't believe anybody brought any to this event. I didn't see any, and we kind of made it known that that was likely not a good idea. Can't, can't you know, speak, you know, make everybody behave in a particular that, way, but I didn't see any. Well, it's the only way to make change, man. You yeah. got to hit them in the pocketbooks, you know? Yeah. Really, that's, you just don't support it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jamie this question, but really it goes out to, to Tom and, and Ryan as well. Um, you know, uh, with the shot across the bow last week, like you said, with the bills being dropped by the MCMA, um, you know, that's that's all obviously caused quite a bit of havoc. Um, but, you know, moving forward, you know, I, I've always said that, uh, you know, when we were drafting legislation before, you know, if we're fighting amongst ourselves, obviously we can't be fighting the people that we really need to be fighting. And that's the, the legislators, the government, you know, and things like that. Like, what do you see, Jamie, as a resolve to this moving forward? I mean, obviously the MCMA and their guys, they're not going to go away. They're big. They've got a lot of money invested in Michigan. And I think that at some point, um, you know, we're going to have to do something to kind of resolve our differences so that we can move the industry forward in, in a fashion that uh, is beneficial for all of us. What, how do you see this playing out? Well, you know, what you say might be true, but when something is this ridiculous, we don't have to negotiate. And there, there's no negotiating these particular bills. The concepts that they want to talk about uh, do lend themselves to a, a, a really awesome discussion, but that has to be done in a way where all the important stakeholders are, are offering meaningful input. It can't just be decided by Steve Linder and the MCMA, you know, what it would look like if the caregivers were able to come back into the uh, commercial market or what should be done with the existing, or if anything, with the existing caregiver system in order to uh, address some health issue that somebody thinks is going on or in order to stop people from exceeding limitations uh, so far there's no real evidence uh, that there's any pressing health issue that needs to be addressed and uh, and it would not only not be necessary to change anything with existing uh, uh, caregiver system it would be inhumane it would uh, it would be uh, detrimental to many patients who are relying on a consistent supply of their medicine through that system. And so uh, 
there is, and of course that if you actually wanted to go through and read the details of what the proposed new license would do, uh, it doesn't take long to conclude that it's convoluted and, and overly restrictive and not very likely to be accommodating to somebody who seriously wants to uh, take that route. So there's, there's nothing really there to negotiate. So the, the effort now has to be to stop it. And it, it is very possible because it requires a 75%, a, a three-quarter supermajority vote to change you know, the act, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act, because it was initially uh, a, petition, a petitioned uh, law that was voted on by the people. And uh, that's why it can't be changed by a simple majority or even by two-thirds. It has to be a supermajority, which means in the House, we need 28 no votes. And to secure that, as far as this process, um, is kind of the focus. It would be great if it could die in committee. It's had a first reading, which was a... Uh, uh, Shit show. A meeting that was indicative of the challenges that we have in this legislature. There's a lot of favoritism. It was a lopsided presentation. Um, things were kind of decided ahead of time, uh, you know, quite obviously. I'm really happy for our people that got a chance to speak in opposition. Rick Thompson did a great job. Susan, um, Amy Carter. I really appreciate the fact that Rep Johnson and Richard were there. Uh, some people criticize that a little bit, but the reality is they're on our side and Rep Johnson has a vote and she has influence. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that. And, that, and I thought that that was great. Uh, but what I see is if anything is gonna happen, we have to force the issue and um, and get people at the table who have the experience and the ability to offer up meaningful input on these issues and not allow the MCMA or Steve Linder to, to create these decisions and then use your influence to, to get the votes they need to push it through. Yeah. I mean, so we don't have to negotiate on this one, I don't think. But we do have you to probably... put it up to the people. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, if the people voted it in, if they want to change it, Put it up to the people to vote it to change it. Otherwise, it's an act. It's you know what I mean. It's. It was pointed out during the hearings that you know in this particular act was passed by 63 percent of the vote and passed by majority in every single of the 83 counties, and to, and there's been no real issue. As I said, what's what's been presented is this fabricated health concern, right. but but no victim, no like set of circumstances that is ongoing that is a real issue that needs to be addressed. Well, what about discussing remediation tactics by commercial facilities in order to save crops from microbial failures uh, using ozone and radiation, literally, to destroy microbial activity on the leaf or the flower surface in order to pass testing at the state level? You know, what about we don't discuss those types of dangers that are out there that's not actually available to consumers because it's not something that's required to be labeled if you have remediated product that you're selling mm -hmm. it is i would say it would be the right thing to do but we know when there's money involved and people are protecting their money and especially when more people with a lot of money get together with other people with a lot of money and they form these organizations they're all looking after obviously keeping that yeah. uh, and advantaging themselves at, at others peril right they don't care yeah, just and create a good product yeah, that's that's exactly right. And the ones they're talking about, as we know, people have been in their grills, and that's where, I mean, most of them uh, harking the loudest about safety are the ones that remediate most of their stuff. But, like, 
for me like if you start like if you this what i you know i had like a visceral reaction kevin we talked about it like i started listening to it and i just got so mad after the first 20 minutes i was doing some some other work i was gonna listen to it while i did accounting and that wasn't gonna happen if i listened just, it was uh, you know I, I i got mad just because like it's like 2000 and and 21 and we are listening to just like just pure and utter bullshit like made up and uh just a fake process and like like we're really we're doing this so this is what we're gonna do that's why people hate politics it's like it's it's not honest you come to the table these are the same people been, been trying to screw us since 2015 or or earlier and all of a sudden they had a change of heart and you know they they care about it so it's just it's just lying uh, you know they're they're not good capitalists. They need uh, the government to come in and give them protections. Um, so you know that's that's on them. Uh, sorry, but it's it's frustrating. Um, but I really uh, I really think we're gonna stop them. But they're not gonna stop uh, until they go bankrupt. So that's the only way. Well, and we hope well, that's the other thing. Ride this out to a, to a better composition of lawmakers in the next session too. As part of it, I am concerned yeah. about lame duck. Though. All this stuff can come back up. And it's better if it passes out of committee and they don't take it up to the floor right away and it dies. It's 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 hanging out there and it could make its way into a lame duck negotiation where there's no public input available. That's that's always scary. We've been burned by that in the past, in 2012, to be specific. So it's it's a real concern. And this this force of MCMA and all the different things they're doing is 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 formidable. This is the biggest challenge that we've had, I think. Yeah, you know, I, th I think that, um, you know, when we were doing lobbying before heavy for um, for the medical act and then again for the adult, adult use and and, I, and when we were doing that stuff, I remember there was constant talk about, um, you know, the, when we get these bills finally passed, like the lobbying doesn't stop there. Like we have to continue pressing forward. And, and one thing I learned the most about going to those hearings is that uh, I think it's time we need to double and triple down on our lobbying efforts. I mean, the uneducation uh, that I heard from from some of these reps that had no idea what the difference between medical marijuana was, what adult use marijuana is. You know, we we spent time before going door to door with these 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 people and, and educating them, and and uh, a lot of those people have turned out or moved on to a different position in the Senate, and we've got new blood in in office. And I think it's time that um, you know I know Brian, your your frustration is definitely warranted, uh, and and not wanting to be a part of politics because of of the things that you see going on, but. For me, it, it makes me want to put my suit on every day and get back down there and talk to these people and let them know what's going on yeah, because I think need. they're just naive. So uh, one thing that's been really helpful is the fact that the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association officially um, is in opposition to these bills. I've had some discussions with uh, four or five lawmakers just in the last three or four days. And to be able to say, that the largest industry association of 300 plus members is in unanimous opposition. I know that you're part of like the, the legislative uh, committee and you, you consider these things and that's one of the reasons I'm bringing this up and I've spoken to Robin about it too. Um, and, and to say the, the other industry association with 10 or 12 members, albeit made up of the huge investors, um, are the only ones that want this. The other industry association with, with considerably more membership is in opposition. All the relevant advocacy organizations are in opposition. The cannabis act, act, activists, the caregivers and patients, 
uh, all in oppositions. The only people that think this is a good idea is uh, the MCMA and those who they've been able to influence. That helps to put into perspective for some of the people who are not educated, you know, where this is just on the surface. And, you know, and then we talk about how it destroys this whole uh, small business industry that's been built up around in support of the caregiver system with all the grow shops around the states and all the employees that they have and all the ancillary businesses connected to those. And then we talk about how inhumane it is to make caregivers decide between one patient of their many patients. And uh, those, that type of education has been very uh, helpful, you know, from my perspective lately. Yeah, no matter what, you have to consider the source, right? In life, it doesn't matter what the subject is. I think the source of, this, of these bills is, are, uh, you know, these large organizations that seemingly on the surface, it might make them look like they're trying to give the caregivers a bone by some way to um, get into the market, but they're actually just imposing the same restrictions that exist for them anyway. It's, uh, you know, it, it's just, um, yeah, you're right. Edu educating people, you know, like, it's so disingenuous. Why, why would they want it? what, what, yeah. what they're doing? is ridiculous. So if you remember many people do from, uh, it was in the news a couple times, there was some language that the, uh, MCMA and Steve Linder were circulating before last summer. And it was in three parts and it started off talking about the Delta eight thing. Now that did go through, that was agreed on to change the definition of cannabis and open up all the acts for it and all that kind of stuff. And then that happened. The second part of this was what to do with this caregiver. Same thing we're talking about now. At that time, they were talking about reducing plant counts per patient. And it was going about decimating the system in a different way than they actually ended up proposing. The third part was about how to make it more difficult for small businesses to thrive in this yeah. industry where they basically showed their ass. They don't care about health concerns or anything like that. They care about stopping anything that's any activity that's not them. That's their MO here. So yeah. So and then what well, then what have. happens? Then what happens when it goes to the Senate? I mean, geez, oh, Pete's that's uh we're we're, you know, shit out of luck in the Senate and anything could happen to the bill at that point you know um you never know what kind of deals are made and, and this and that i mean you can't trust trust them at all you can't trust them so i guess this is this is the reason you know this is time jamie you mentioned it um the, the uh, michigan cannabis industry associations you know when we started all of us started all that that was um you know it had to be done it had to be done and if we didn't had done that we'd be getting steamrolled right now um that's the only thing it's the only thing blocking uh, this from going through, in my opinion. Now, we're going to get a lot of help from a lot of other people, but if we didn't have that, I think we're, we'd be in, in grave danger because, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I've been, um, we've been, we've been lobbying and fighting and, and trying to keep the law the same for a long, long, long time. And not a lot of the people, you know, besides activists and, and lawyers are, are now, you know, part of the MICAA. So a lot of the MICAA is made up of the people that have been lobbying to protect the law and wrote the law. So it's not a normal trade association. There's no other one like it in the country or the world in cannabis because it's it's not the way it's set up and, and who started it and the history behind it. So it has some big picture reference unlike the other organization. And that's necessary, I mean, really for this issue, for this emerging industry. Well, with, without them, I mean, Really, it would we'd be looking like every other state. Look at California. Look at Oregon. Look at uh, what's happening Colorado. to these states that Colorado, where you know, going to a provisioning center, the people that live there that are really into cannabis, they're just like, why would I do that? There's nothing of quality there. And you go sh go to these states, go shop at a store, and see 
what what your options are versus everything that's good. That's what I was told by friends of mine out west. Everything I was like, what's going on with the stores? Why can't I find anything that I even want to smoke there? And they're like, well, anything of quality goes to the black market because all of the larger companies have taken over and everything that they provide is, you know, of a lower quality. And that's that's what's going to happen because you're just going to either have to go to the black market for for something of quality or you go to a store that's run by several, you know, companies to you know, to get your booth stash, you know, I mean, that's what people are up to, up against, you know. Well, I think the the other thing real quick, uh, Ryan, was is, is the affordability. You know, I've, I've, I've said it for a long time. You know, we're never the, 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 the notion that this this legislation is somehow going to co- co- combat the black market is absolutely absurd. Right. The only way that we're ever going to co- compete with the black market is to get pricing in the same area code as the black market. And, and that's the big failure here. You know, uh, as far as the patients go, you know, you can take away their caregiver. Okay, fine, right? But they, they have to have medicine. You have to figure out a way to get them medicine in an affordable way uh, uh, t- to make this compassionate and make it work the way it was designed, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, the red tape to me is what has bogged everything down. Uh, doing all this unnecessary stuff that, that, that we shouldn't be doing uh, creates more expense. And um, until we start addressing that stuff, and I want to see the MCMA, I challenge them, come up with some legislation that eliminates some of that bullshit and get us on track to where we're actually competitive. And, and, then, and then start going after the caregivers if that's your notion later on down the road. But let's make this function before you even think right. about doing anything with them. It's, it's so, so short. It's short-sighted. So short-sighted. And um i saw your comment chris silva uh don't forget about oklahoma uh there's there's not too the chads and brads get run out of there um but uh you know this is just it drives me nuts because you know michigan is uh my my dream is to see michigan be known be the number one spot in the world for cannabis it has been for a long time and the way that happens is this open competition we've had forty thousand caregivers sourcing genetics talking you know and and just the knowledge and and uh, the talented people that have uh, been groomed here because they're here we're lucky enough to, to have it happen for us and um, but also people moving so you know every day I don't know about you guys but every day I'm, I'm getting up working as hard as I can to try to stay ahead of the next guy because it ain't it ain't easy there's a lot of competition out there and if you if you get lackadaisical at any point so like, we're waking up going all out and you know there's other states if you got 10 20 licenses and you're making money you know that they're not innovating anymore so when the walls come down you know it's gonna be all over the world before we're dead you know and uh, we want you know michigan's got to be able to compete like let's not limit our abilities here so i guess if that's the case we need caregivers we do, and we need them. Yeah. There's no, there's no point to this. It's just, it's, it's basically a guy's getting paid. They, they, they need this to happen, and um, they're paying a lot of money to make this happen, and they've been crafting it and working on it for a long time. But it's all, you know, it's all bullshit. But besides that, I, I look wanted at caregiver to... stuff. I just really want, I want to say something though. I really turn to Instagram and, and follow a lot of caregivers, and I, I love watching caregivers grows and the flower that's coming out of. Uh, out of their gross because it inspires me to know what i mean not everyone is a caregiver is a great grower i mean let's just you know but the people that are really put their whole lives into it and they're passionate about it and they're keeping the genetic pool open and diverse which is very important and also they're inspiring us to know what good flower should be like because once you scale up to thousands of plants 
you have that that's an art form in and of itself but if you're not hitting benchmarks that people that can hit in their own homes in in your in your facility then you need to back off your scaling and get back on you know get on quality control and that's it's important for caregivers to to also they inspire me to do this every day uh so you know and we also we need their we need the gene pool yeah think about all the you know the gene pool but think about all the the wonderful growers there to get the chance to do it here you know and now there's a lot of you know younger younger guys and girls growing uh right when they're graduating turning 18 or 21 whatever it is so um awesome but i wanted uh we're we're running out of time here i wanted to uh, um say goodbye let everyone say goodbye to jamie and uh and wrap this up so kevin hey jamie thanks for coming on the show buddy it's always been a a, a great time uh getting to chat with you um i appreciate you and michael and, and tom's efforts on, on putting together canna jam i apologize for not being able to be there i really really wanted to be there i just time just didn't work out but i'm looking forward to you guys getting it together next year if there's anything you guys need help with i'd love to volunteer my services in any way i can and um yeah thanks for coming on the show and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon appreciate it man thank you very much tom oh jamie when you when you guys contacted me what is it what was it august or something of that nature regarding canna jam we started the conversation and I thought you guys were you were talking about spring of 2022, and I was rolling along with it. And then I heard October 9th, and you know, so you guys are nuts. Let's do it, you know. And you guys pulled it off, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. And Michael and his team were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Coming out, you know, coming into a whole new beast, and it's a lot harder than it looks to throw a festival. I know. Uh, so they did an awesome job. I can't. I'm looking forward to the conversations to come. Right on, man. So am I. Sounds like we had a, a good formula there. Stuff to talk Name anything about. Jamie, anything you want to part the show with? Any words of wisdom for the audience? Well, there are uh, there are many ways that we can help to stop you know these bills from going through. And and what I am trying to do, what I'm spending a lot of time and time on doing, as are others, just trying to encourage people to contact their own state rep right now encourage them to be in opposition to these bills if we get 28 minimum no votes in the house these things cannot make it through that's that's my focus for now until i hear that they're dead so i encourage everybody to do that i also just want to you know just just plug the botanical company uh locations in east Tawas, lansing and kalkaska with a lounge december or january soon to open uh that'll feature the john sinclair cafe on the inside but itself be the Kalkushka Lounge, and with uh, of course Tom and, and uh, Krista and his and their and their people, a big part of that. That's awesome. That's I can't awesome. wait. Looking, looking, looking forward to, you know, Kalkaska is so beautiful and great because of uh, you know all the um, marijuana employees that work there. It's like Lansing. You know, you get a different culture than just a town with dispensaries. So man. Um, Really excited for Kalkaska. Spent a, spent a lot of time. That's where I'm there. moving my office. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, with that, you know, uh, I just wanted to go out on a, on a positive note. You know, this, this event uh, was put on, you know, by, by people, uh, you know, Michael Camorn and, and, and Jamie, and then, of course, the help with Tom. But I remember 2009 is when I met, met all them and, and very active and then there's something you, you sit around and smoke and you dream about and they actually get to do it and 
we did it, and you guys did it. I mean, I, I it was it was incredible. It couldn't have happened with uh, with a bunch of MCMA members writing a law or a bill. They wouldn't have put <laughs> that in that. So with that, I'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Great show. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.